Hey, what is up, y'all? In this episode, we got my boy Matt Picanzo, aka Pico. This dude is crazy. Um, just an awesome guy, and he is kind of the old guy out there um, on the Corn Ferry Tour right now. He's a mini tour legend, made a breakthrough this year. This guy has had to overcome a lot of adversity in his life. He's got a very unique story that I'm really excited to get into and share about just again these lessons of overcoming adversity, what it's taken for him to get to this level, and his game plan to really make it up to that PJ Tour level because they could use him. He's an awesome personality, awesome dude. So I'm excited. Let's get into it. Hey, what's up? I'm your host, Kyle Drink, and we're going beyond the swing. Yeah. What's up, buddy? What's going on, man? It's been a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in Palm Springs right now. What's you doing out there? Cooking. It's 120 degrees, I think it feels like. <laughs> Man, we, we had a stretch of that this summer, like out here in Tennessee, dude. It was crazy. I mean, just heat I don't want to feel again. <laughs> <laughs> it's that it's that humidity that's crazy though. Like that's from you know, being from the Midwest, like you're just not used to that. I can't buy I can't visualize you with hair right now. Dude, dude. Your head, like shade? <laughs> When we, when that? I was in did you oh, have man, hair dude, so, in no dude i've i've had uh <laughs> i've like so i've cut my own hair since college like i would just fade it like straight like kind of yeah. half card from here fade up to the top so like it just started growing out and i was like you know what like see what happens <laughs> um so everybody's commenting about it because i kind of rocked it you know just you know I don't caught know. Me off guard. I don't, yeah, I caught, can't, it can't decide if guard. it's a little douchey or if it, like no, I should keep rolling with it. It, could, it definitely caught me off guard right now. Yeah, when you pop on the screen. I'm like, is that Kyle? I don't think that's him. No, it's him. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a little bit different, but uh, you know, you know, we're managing. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> but I mean, let's let's just kind of start at the beginning of your journey, man. Like, uh, I mean, you're. I hate to say like the old guy out there, but like. You know, you're the older guy out there that's, you know, and you can tell it obviously better than me, but you've done the mini tour thing for a long time. You've done literally the grind um, and you've had yep. a good year this year. You know, you got pretty much full, almost full status on the corn fairy. I know you shuffled in, but you had a pretty much full season out there. Um, mm-hmm. So I just kind of want to talk about like, you know, what life was like for you from the very beginning and how you got to this point. How How's that for a broad question? <laughs> yeah that's uh oh man where to start um i mean i guess it just depends like you know do you want the you want the uh you know the, the not the horror stories but like you want the truth like what it's really like like yeah i don't know if some of these yes. kids really want to know what it's like because it yes. might scare some of them off but no, I mean, I mean dude, I, like, I love the cookie. Uh, like, I love the realness of this. I mean, this is why yeah, I do yeah. this is not only that, but it's like the overcoming adversity. And I know you've done a lot of that. And there's some oh, stuff yeah. like even from our Pioneer strip that we've kind of talked about that I want to, you know, bring up. But like, that's that's the realness, man. And like this, everybody wins mentality. It's cookie cutter for everybody. The social media, like everybody's winning. Like, it's bullshit. And yeah, well, like, I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, um just the golf programs there are now like you know uh, when i was growing up there was no if there was junior golf i didn't know about it i had no idea i didn't even know there was golfers so you know mm-hmm. I, I think that they've they preconditioned these kids 
which isn't a bad thing, but you know, they're, they're conditioned for success. Like immediately they think they're just, they're going to go play D one. Then they're going to be on the PGA tour and they walk like it. They act like it. They they're cocky, which is great, but you know, obviously not all of us, not all of us have that story and not all of us can do that. Mm. Um, and my, you know, my, my, my journey just was always going to be hard because, you know, who in their right mind at 30 years old is like, you know what? Screw it. I can be a professional golfer. <laughs> I mean, there's guys that, yeah, you're good. You might beat up on the guys at your local country club on Saturday mornings, but mm-hmm. you know, to just be like, you know, I'm going to just go all in and just see where this thing goes. Um, yeah. I mean, the, if you, well, somebody... what were you doing before then? Like, let's start there. Like, so you said at 30, you're like, screwed. I'm going all in. Like, what were you doing before yeah. then? Uh, I mean, early twenties, I was, you know, I was just being a kid. I was having fun and I worked either like, you know, bar or restaurant kind of jobs. So I could work at night and I sleep all day. Um, I was really into the gym. So, I mean, I would just, I, I was very into, uh, I was into being cool. I was a cool guy. Um, and I, I had it really, yeah, I'm a cool old guy now, but <laughs> I had it really, you know, I hadn't really even gave golf a, a thought since I was, you know, I think pretty much the, the height of it was, you know, I think I was 22 when I like kind of just stopped when I walked away from it. Um, and that's when I lost my godfather. It was just a, just a weird time in my life. I just, I kind of just gave up on, um, you know, any motivation or anything that I had at the time, um, which was good because I kind of needed to go on that next, you know, phase of my life, which led me back to this, and back to, you know, some structure and, and it uh, helped me, you know, put a lot of other things in perspective. But I was about 26 when I started playing a little bit again. And I found this little golf academy down in Southern California. And I was like, you know, I'm going to go to this, check this thing out. Let's see, you know, let's, let's get out of Bakersfield. Bakersfield's bad for me right now. There's just, there's nothing here. I, I just keep getting stuck in bad, bad routines, bad habits. So I just left. I mean, I moved to San Diego. I didn't even have a place to live yet. I literally showed up, rented a hotel for like a week. I started going to this golf academy and just figured I'd meet a guy there and we'd room together. I got on Craig and I happened to get on Craigslist and I found this apartment in Carlsbad and I started renting that. Um, and then I, I ended up finding like a condo or something more permanent after that. But it, it kind of was just really spur of the moment. And I had no idea what I was getting into because all I knew is I wanted to get back into golf. I just, I had no route. I, mean, I wasn't a college player. I didn't play any amateur golf. Like I, I had no, it just seemed like this was the, what I needed to do right now. And then I, if all else failed, at least I'd get a, you know, some little brink of ink degree out of it and I could go into golf management or be a head pro or something like that. Uh, but very quickly at this Academy, everybody figured out like, man, holy crap. Like, why are you here? Like I was beating, I mean, they'd have these little tournaments like on, like during the week or they'd have like a match play thing. And I would beat everybody by, 15 shots and I win the match play, you know, I wouldn't even get I, half the time. I, I, the matches wouldn't even get to like the 14th hole or the 15th hole. 
Mm-hmm. So all the guys there were like, man, like what, like, why are you here? And I'm like, well, this is a golf school, right? You're supposed to be in. They're like, yeah, for <laughs> teachers and like managers. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that kind of gave me like, okay, well, I guess I still got it. Like I'm still pretty good. And I was practicing so much because they gave us like unlimited range cards to, you know, a couple mm-hmm. of the ranges in, in Carlsbad. So, I mean, I, I took full advantage of those range cards. Like those guys probably got so tired to see me because I was walking in there every week. Hey, can you reload this? Can you reload this? Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I finished the Academy, I took a job as an assistant pro at the crossings, which was a golf course in Carlsbad. And that's where I kind of like met, you know, my first like mentor or my, you know, my the first real golf coach I ever had. Um, and his name was Steve Vaughn. And Steve, um, he just immediately, you know, kind of, saw something and and took me under his and then basically if I wasn't in the shop like working I was on the range with him and he was just never he never once asked me for a penny and I tried to pay him two at times and he never he was like just keep doing what you're doing I'll help you when I can and let's see where this goes and um by the time I was 30 I I told him like hey I'm gonna you know I'm gonna I don't know how to do this like but I'm gonna turn pro whatever that means or like i'm gonna start playing you know the the golden state tour was around the pepsi tour was around there was some gateway events in arizona i was like i'm gonna start entering these tournaments and he he was like yeah that'll be great you know let's just you know go you might get beat up for a little bit but let's just go see you know see where you stack up against these guys for now and um i did get beat up a lot at first like but it wasn't so much that these guys were better than me it was i beat myself like a lot mm-hmm. i mean I was a very, <laughs> I, I, uh, I just was so aggressive and I, I was so like focused on, on proving myself that I got in my own way constantly, which is still a fault of mine to this day. I mean, I'm, I'm a very hard, I'm a very hard person, especially on myself, like, I'm very critical and, you know, constantly working on those things, just trying to, uh, understand my, my own habits better. But I was I was so raw that I kind of I'd have these like random days where it's like you know I'd shoot sixty three and it was like holy crap like where was that but then the next day I'd shoot seventy eight it's like how do you mm-hmm. shoot sixty three and seventy eight it's all between the ears it has to be because you can't have that much talent and and put up that spread of of numbers so it was kind of like a it was kind of like a three year try like trial and error basically like i basically just figured out everything not to do it was just a experiment failure that made me you know it made me it made my learning curve happen way faster than probably most kids do um, as far as competitive golf goes since i didn't really have any competitive career prior to that it was basically like i'm either gonna i'm gonna make it or i'm gonna like fail miserably because I don't have time to like learn to do this stuff. So I kind of started picking the, I started just choosing and, and like surrounding myself with the guys that I had met out on the mini tours around here that I thought were like, man, these guys are good. Like they're going to make it like they're, I want to be more like them, you know, between the ears physically and, and talent wise. I don't, you know, there's, very few people I've ever come across that I feel like have more, you know, raw talent or physical ability uh, than I. But as far as playing the game of golf, there was a lot of guys that 
shaped me who I am today. Um, Eric Mike Tree, he was a legend around here. Mark Hubbard is now on the Mark Hubbard was started on the mini tours with me at the exact same time. And we traveled together all the time. And I mean, that guy just, <laughs> he's just out. He's the ultimate gamer. Like it's not pretty always, but man, he just, that guy knows how to play golf. So, and I ended up caddying for him um, his first year on the, back then it was web.com, but corn fairy. Um, mm-hmm. And that experience kind of just rounded out all the learning that I had done those previous three years and just, being able to actually see the level of talent on the corn ferry at that time. Um, because that year was, I mean, there was Justin Thomas out there, Daniel Berger, Tony Finau. Um, I mean, it was an incredible class of 25 that came out of that mm-hmm. year, 2014. And I saw them all at that level before they were, you know, who they are now. And that kind of gave me like a, it gave me a blueprint of what I needed to do going forward. If I was actually going to do this and then, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017, I started really like putting my mark down, you know, in developmental tour golf, mini tour golf around the country where I just started going on those crazy stretches where it would just, you know, I'd shoot 40 something under par for three weeks in a row. I'd win three tournaments in a row. And then I'd, I'd finish in the top five literally for an entire year. Um, so what changed? As far as what? So like you're talking about, you know, you're, you're learning from these guys, you're kind of just up and down, whatever on those minis. And then all of a sudden you just go on these crazy stretches. Like what changed, like what, what kind of changed to put you on that tear? I mean, it's like, I mean, me and you have talked about it before, like on the course where it's, it's that it's the belief of like, man, like I've seen the more and more guys that you see and play against who previous to prior to playing with them or or you know prior to seeing them play it's kind of like going to the circus right you're like you don't know what to expect because you haven't been behind the curtain yet and then once you go behind the curtain and you see it you're like oh okay now that makes sense like i get it Mm -hmm. and i for me it was just the more and more i played and the more i the more i like spread my you know my um the more i broadened my horizon like the more the more I got out of my comfort zone, like travel, like, okay, he's really good, but he's only good in Southern California on Poa. And then I'd go to Arizona. Okay. He's good on Bermuda. Then I go to the Midwest. Okay. He's good on bent. Like the more I, I traveled and realized that I competed pretty much anywhere I went, I got more and more of that belief system. That was like, man, there's lots of guys that are better than me at golf, but they are never going to be better than me at, at, uh, you know, at the intangible things, like just being able to just, you know, thump it, hit the center of the club face over and over and over again. And Mm -hmm. those are the things that I do really well. So if I can learn what they do, but they can't learn what I can do, then I'll be able to beat them all the time. And that's what I used to tell myself. Like they can't do what I can do, but I can do what they can do. It's hard, but I mean, I just have to practice. Like I just have to be smarter. I have to pick, to pick my holes to be aggressive and, and, you know, be conservatively aggressive the rest of the time, but they can't do what I can do. So the better and better I get, they're not gonna be able to beat me. And that's kind of just the mindset that I had, you know, through from 2015. I mean, till now, I mean, this year was, was a hard year for me because it was very humbling. I mean, I had to 
I, I felt like I was back in 2013, 2014. I was like, man, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just getting my, my, you know, I'm getting my shit kicked in just every mm-hmm. week, but most of it's self-inflicted where it's like, I'm right back in that phase where I'm like so frustrated, but I know what the problem is. And it's just about, I, I have to change the blueprint. I had a blueprint. Now I got to change a little bit. Things have to, I'm a lot older. My body's older for me to stay physically, um, you know, like where I want to be. I can't do the things I, that I used to do because I'm older. So it, it was a good year as far as like learning. Okay. I know what to do out there. I know how to succeed out there now. Now it's just a matter of being a lot smarter, you know, not playing 10 weeks in a row. Like that was a horrible thing for me to do. You know, mm-hmm. trying to and, and picking like you know picking the courses that don't suit your eye like perfect that's a good work like rest week go home and get some work in like take a week off the course doesn't suit me very well anyway and then that way you're fresh for the courses that do suit you rather than just mm-hmm. going into every single week exhausted and just hoping that maybe this is the week like i find it and it'll click and it just never really did you but remember, that's the uh... main the main difference, like you said, was like, yeah, it was just, that's what clicked in my head when I started winning all the time was I'm getting better at what they do, but they're never, they're not going to get much better at what I do because they're limit, you know, they're limited. A lot of them are, they weren't athletes. They're very good golfers, but they didn't play every other sport growing up. And I think the biggest thing with playing every sport when you're a kid is that it develops uh, an athleticism in your body that is, will last you forever. It's just, it it just develops you know reactions um like muscle groups that you can't really can't really develop them when you're older like a lot of these guys start to work out once they hit the pga tour i mean justin thomas jason day they're good athletes but you know they're trying to do things that i was doing from the age of six until i was you know 22 which are the years you want to be doing those things that's when your body's actually growing so it can grow together where if you start doing it now, you're putting a lot of strain tendons and, and groups of muscles that, you know, you're basically pushing them to a limit and at some sooner or later that limit's going to break. Yeah. Um, so that, that brings up kind of one thing I wanted to talk to you about is I, when we were at Pinehurst, you know, I kind of looked at, you just had this vibe. I was like, you, you had to have been a fighter and I originally <laughs> thought boxer, but next thing I know you're showing me all these crazy takedown moves and stuff. So you, you have a, a past of that. And I think that's for people who do it, I think it's really, really powerful and probably a lot to do with, you know, that self-belief, but you know, can we talk about your, your training and your background in that? Yeah. I mean, I think that's just a lot of, uh, like discipline and, and, um, I think for me, you know, it was, a way for uh, for me to let out my aggression without, you know, without getting in too much trouble. Um, and, you know, I, I wish I would have stuck with it. I wish I would have just kept, you know, I wish I would have done it my whole life. Um, but like I said, I mean, once I hit those early 20s, it just kind of, I kind of just, I didn't really have any motivation for anything. But I mean, everything I learned you know, do all the, all that training was just, it was, it was discipline and it was making other, it was making other people make mistakes, which 
and golf can work when we're playing in match play, but in stroke play, it doesn't really come into effect. But it's still that idea of like, you know, uh, I think I heard Tiger say this in, in an interview years and years ago, and it cracked me up because it was it was such like a fighter thing to say. And he was like, well, you know, I'm going to pound it down the fairway and I'm going to hit every single green. And, you know, that's what I do. And I don't, I don't care what my playing partners think. And I don't care what anybody else out here thinks. If you don't like it, he said, what did he say? He's like, if you don't like it, it's your effing problem. I'm pretty sure that's what he said. <laughs> and I was just laughing as I'm going, man, that's exactly how I think. Like, that's literally how I think. Like, this is what mm-hmm. I'm going to do. I don't care if what you know, what you think or what it makes you feel like, if it makes you feel this way, that's your problem. Like the best, I mean, the best offense is a good defense. And uh, that's a way to be, to have a good defense without, in your, but you're not even like on defense. Basically like it's being offensive with defense. So it's kind of that, I mean, that's the same thing with fighting, right? So like if somebody comes at me, I'm going to use their own body weight. I'm going to use their own, movements and i don't even have to do anything so it's like it's that kind of mentality that philosophy yeah this show is brought to you by mental golf type and if you haven't heard of mental golf type yet then you need to go to mentalgolftype.com and check this out because this is an incredible powerful mental game and performance system that you can implement very easily because it is tailored to how you and how you are mentally wired. So some of the questions you might have had along the way of why can I perform great on practice? Why do I hit it great on the range and I go on the course and it's something totally different? Why am I inconsistent? Why can I score so well one day and the next is something totally different? Well, all of those questions have to do with how you are mentally wired, how you are using your mental energy, how you're seeing targets, how you're making decisions. This is all stuff that has to do with your mental golf type and you could take your free assessment and figure out a lot of things really quick for absolutely free at mentalgolftype.com. So you definitely want to get over there and check that out because I can't even imagine trying to coach players without knowing that information. Uh, So again, check out mentalgolftype.com. You won't regret it. Now let's get to that show. What were you trained in? Uh, I did Muay Thai and I did a lot of like, uh, Aikido and Taekwondo. Yeah. Because I was going to say, I knew like you, we were talking a lot about just the, like you said, the body weight stuff and using people's kind of stuff against them. But I think one thing, and again, you were the one that did that more. I did some light, you know, Taekwondo when I was young, but nothing really stuck. But and I wish it would have because fighters may have like such powerful mindsets because there's really not much more, uh what's the way i want to say this it's not much like harder adversity than like getting into a fight i would think so learning to like know you can handle yourself when things come at you i mean it's the same as like over overcoming any kind of adversity in your life i mean i've had a whirlwind of adversity in my life that nobody nobody knows about but when you come out of that and you know you can handle that and you get in tough situations instead of just wanting to crumble which is easy to do and you go missing cuts and you know if you're not playing well and you're just you're not playing well on your high school team whatever it is like knowing that like i'm just going to get stronger from that yeah i mean <laughs> you know it's a it's not the easiest mentality in the world but like when you feel those well, rushes of anxiety and stuff and knowing that look like i'm going to i'm going to come back stronger yeah and i mean a lot of it was i would do you know i did it a lot like during like spring baseball and 
when I was like 15 and 16, because not only did like, I mean, both my baseball coach and my parents were like, it's, you know, it was so good for me, like mentally, because it, I had a lot of aggression. Like, I mean, I would have outbursts. I would yell at my teammates. It's like, I, I just am such a competitor. Like I have such a, uh, I'm, you know, you I'm very time. critical. I'm very critical <laughs> of other people if they're not, you know, if they're not up to my expectations, especially when it comes to competing. So it's, you know, mm-hmm. there's, I mean, there's been times when I have people like kick me off their, like, you know, their cornhole team or like their beer pong teams. They're like, dude, relax. You're too intense. (laughs) I need to just walk away. Like, it's just a game. Uh, Yeah. So I would do it like, and it was, you know, I didn't want to, everybody else I was playing baseball with was so like concerned with the weight room. And I mean, I liked working out. I was, obviously we had to, but. I was an outfielder. I was a center fielder. I was quick. I was so fast and I was strong already. I didn't need to like get bigger. So for me, it was like finding another outlet to where I can still train and, and lift weights and do things. But um, like the martial arts stuff, just, it made me like so much stronger and kept me very fast, very quick. Um, And then just the mental aspects of it, just, the discipline of like you can't just attack like you can't sometimes you, you have to wait and you have to be smart it's good stuff to learn in the game of golf now mm-hmm. it's good to be aggressive but sometimes it's you know i mean especially on the, like once you get to pga tour level i mean even some of the contrary courses we play where it's like man sometimes the, the aggressive play is to hit it to 20 feet like that mm-hmm. is the aggressive plays hit it to twenty feet. But, well, I think there's a, a there's a big difference between aggressive and just like cautious, you know. So I think when people are like, "Oh, I'm being too aggressive," so they'll play almost like with avoidance strategies. Like I'm gonna play away from yeah. trouble versus, like you said, I can be aggressive to hit it to twenty feet, but I or can still make a good cut at it. Like and rip a, at it. Look, they'll put pins, you know. They'll put pins that are like, okay whatever your strategy is off the T, right? So you have like A, B, and C off the T. If I hit it to A, then I can be aggressive as I want. But if I hit it to B, I got to hit it to 20 feet. And if I hit it to C, now I got to hit it to 30 feet or 40 feet. So it's understanding those positions when you get in them instead of like, I hit it to B, but I don't care. Screw it. Give me that. I'm going right. Like, I'm still trying to hit it. I'm going to go B. I'm going to hit it right here from B, even though I said I would only hit it right here from A. And then you start doing that and then you get, you know, you make one sloppy bogey, then you start pressing, then the next one you do it again, and then you do it again. And before you know it, you might not have made it that many bad swings, but it was just those bad processes that all of a sudden, you know, you're two or three over through five holes when you could, you shouldn't, you should be one under. Yeah. I mean, how much do you contribute your game right now to that stuff? Cause I mean, I've seen you hit the ball, dude. Like there's not a lot of people in the world that hit it like that. I mean, and yeah, that's, you know, like I said, I've, like my, I've had to, I'm working on like a new blueprint as far as like what my body will let me do now. And like the days I feel great. Yeah. I'm going to be super aggressive, but the days when I don't feel great, I have to understand like, okay, man, you, you know, let's back off the throttle a little bit. Like you're not going to hit it 340. You're not going to hit it 330 today. So that's okay. You're just going to play golf from back here. Like, or you're going to, you know, 
so that's kind of like what's happened to me a lot this year um it's just kind of like learning my body better because mm -hmm. as much as i feel like i'm 25 i am not <laughs> not 25 dude i got out of bed this morning and my back hurts so bad just because i like slept a little wrong like i can't yeah. imagine with like i mean i get it dude the travel hotel rooms or wherever you stay i mean that's a, that's a lot of stuff and that's i think like observers of golf too like that earn around the professional life um that's something that just obviously gets overlooked like we just don't understand that stuff the daily oh, life of the players you know and it's easy to just go oh that player had a crap week well they might have had a family problem they might have just not well, like had a bad travel like, experience you know, i think uh you know like I was talking to it. Trey Mullinax, dude, and he's talking about like he yeah. had he won that tournament, had to quickly get on a plane, go to back home, get his get his stuff, and get yep. to Scotland for the British Open. And he goes, "I get there, my clubs are bent." Yep. <laughs> like, like how how good of a week's that going to be when you're rushing? People around? don't realize, like you know, and like if you don't have a good like you know support system off the course, it makes it even worse. Like, you mm. know, I mean, I'm lucky, like. uh you know, I have a, a pretty awesome wife. She, uh, she's congrats on that, by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you. She's very understanding of, you know, just how demanding, um, this profession is, but, you know, even with all that, it's like, we were planning a wedding this year. Um, so, you know, that, even though she basically did all the work, I give her a hundred percent of the work. <laughs> she did so much for the, as far as the wedding, it's, you know, it, the stress that, trickles down from i know how stressed out she is from planning the wedding it still affects me even though i'm on the road i'm just playing golf every week but i'm still thinking about like man okay you know we're a month out we're or we're two months out now we're a month out and it's no matter what yeah it's still in the back of your mind like that it's coming and um just a lot. I mean, I just had a lot. I had a lot going on this year, like a lot going on off the golf course. That was good stuff. It was just it was nothing bad. It was just they were, you know, they were brain consuming stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As much as I tried not to, you know, just to focus on what I was doing, it stuff's still going to be in my head and in my brain. And um, that's the kind of stuff people don't understand, like what we go through week in, week out, where it's like, yeah, I did have that guy did play like crap this week. And now guess what? Now he's got to either get on a plane. He's either going to fly home on Saturday morning or Friday night after missing the cut, or he's going to sit around and practice. He's still going to practice Saturday and Sunday. And then on Sunday or Monday, he's going to fly to the next place and he's going to start the whole process all over again. So it's like the brain never shuts off. And then the next week you get there Monday, you're checking in, you're hitting balls. You might go out and play a late nine Tuesday. You're playing again, Wednesday. If you're not on the program, you're practicing. And then boom, Thursday comes around you start again. You do that 10 weeks in a row, I mean, your body is just beat. I mean, it's it's mm -hmm. just – you do it six weeks in a row, your body's beat. So every guy, like, has to find their own, their own, you know, circadian rhythm that, like, works where they can do all that and not just com be completely, like, worthless out there. Well, I think for well, me, it's like three weeks. Like, I can play three weeks in a row, and those three weeks I'll be strong and focused past three weeks i you just the drop off is probably like tremendous where it's like just the mental focus the the fatigue of the body and then not only that it's when your mind gets you know distracted or fatigued 
it's makes your body slower, makes your body not work right mm-hmm. because your mind's, you know, it's working overtime. So when you're telling your mind something like, Hey, you know, you're trying to tell your mind what to do with your hands, that response time is slower. It's delayed, which can add to, you know, little, little loops in the swing or just little, little things that start to go on where you might not feel like you're doing anything weird or you're swinging it wrong, but mm-hmm. like your body's just slower because your mind's tired. It doesn't have enough, you know, it doesn't have enough capacity to keep up to speed that many weeks in a row. So if you've had a, like when you've had a couple weeks stretches of like not good and you know, again, that, that mental fatigue is real. That causes, that causes physical exhaustion. Mm-hmm. So it's like, now we get out there, we've had a couple bad weeks and I'm sure that's looming, you know? So it's like, what's the mental reset for you? Man, that's the million dollar question. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, you try to just, you know, we're all athletes. So we, we try to tell ourselves, you know, all the, all the cliche things like, you know, I'm just going to go and I'm, I'm going to get back to basics. I'm going to, you know, and you hear guys every week on the PJ tour or any tour when they're in interviews and they're talking, they're like, you know, I just, I really simplified it this week. I just got back to basics. What does that mean? Like they're just saying that because either they're publicists or somebody told them that's what to say. Mm-hmm. None of us know what that means. It could be anything. Right. It could be something so silly or stupid. Like for me, it could be like, you know, I'm driving in my car and, and like just the right song comes on the radio and that song sparks something in my head, like a memory or something like that. And I just, mm-hmm. you just flip your brain, you just change your mind. Like I just feel better. And you go into the next week, like, man, I feel good about this week. You get on the range and because you have said that you feel good, for the last 48 hours, you do feel good. And you start striping it on the range and you go on the course and you're still striping it. And there's no rhyme or reason. It's not because I went back to basics or I didn't. Even, it's literally just because you flip the switch on your mind. Like it's as simple mm-hmm. as that. It's just telling your mind, dude, you're okay. You're good. Nothing's wrong. You're, you know, you're going to play great. And if you yeah. say that enough times, some weeks you believe it. And that's kind of what I, you know, that's what I believe. If I say that I'm playing good enough times. Some weeks I am, some weeks I believe it. Other weeks I don't. Golf's hard. I mean, some it doesn't matter, you know, how good you're hitting it sometimes or how good you think you're swinging it. You might get out there and it's just not your week. And you're just, mm-hmm. you're on the wrong side of every bad lie. You're on the wrong side of every, you know, every long yardage. And it's just an absolute grind out there. And you get done and you just feel like you were like in a war. Like, man, I just got beat up for four and a half hours and shot 73, even though I felt like I peered every single golf shot. And sometimes there isn't, there's nothing to say for that when people are like, well, what happened? Nothing happened, man. I just, I swung great all day. I shot 73. I don't know what to tell you. It's, like, <laughs> it's just, yeah. that's what happens. I mean, I appreciate you said that. I, a statement I say a lot is that, I mean, golf is like a fight. I mean, I go back to fight. I'm like, you're going to get hit. Like yeah. it's not cushy. It's not these, bogey-free rounds that you know you might throw a birdie in or whatever it's like you're going to get punched it's like how you react to that uh is important yeah. I, I did like that that you said that nobody knows what that means it's hilarious like i say that about the word commitment a lot yep. like when someone's like i was committed to that shot i was like what does that mean <laughs> like that's just some cliche thing because you hit it good you don't know what yeah that means. so like so like, for the last 32 shots you weren't committed like why are you like what you, how are you out here playing competitively if you weren't committed for 32 shots and then you find the yeah. one now you're committed like, yeah 
Like, what does that really mean? I mean, it's, it's like if something is really defined, like I use like Xander Shoffley or Justin Thomas, like with their, you know, little takeaway rehearsals. Okay. If you're committed, like, I'm just going to focus and get my takeaway there and hit it. Like, yeah, that might be there. You know, they might be thinking about some stupid stuff. Okay. That's defined. But when you're just like, like exactly you said, like, oh, I just was com- more committed. I'm like, you don't know what that means. No. Yeah. But I think I, that's an important love, piece I of the game, they, though. I hear that you hear that reset. I just, you know, I uh, I just got back to basics, you know. I just got on the range, and I just I, I really just simplified everything. We, what does that mean? What so? What do you mm-hmm. normally do? Normally, you make everything as complicated as possible. Like no, you just you. Well, that can be on. real for some people. I mean, they could be chasing some weird swing thing or something, and they just go back to what they've always done. I mean, that that could be real, but well, no, that can't. But I'm talking about the guys that are like, you know, they're they're leading the tournament through 54 holes and the mm-hmm. announcer is like, so, you know, what's, what's, what's going on this week? What changed? And they're like, no, man, you're just, you're, you're a professional golfer. This is what you're <laughs> supposed to, this is what every professional golfer should tell themselves every single week. This is what I'm supposed to do. Why else mm-hmm. am I out here? If I'm not out here to be the 54 hole leader through a tournament, what am I doing playing? I didn't come here to finish 40th every single week. I'm not here just to, to play golf. Like you're supposed to win tournaments. That's the whole point. And I would love for one of these guys for once to just, I mean, I hope to, I hope to God one day I get to be either winning or leading a tournament because that's the first thing I'm going to say when they go, what, so what are you going to do tonight? I'm going to say, I'm going to freak out because I'm about to win this golf tournament. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to just absolutely try to swing as hard as I can on the first hole, because as long as I hit that tee shot somewhere, I'll be good. I don't know. I don't care where it goes. Just go somewhere, be in play. And then I'll be good because I have no idea what I'm going to feel like. I can't tell you that right now. It's not tomorrow. I'm not going to give you one of these cliche answers. Like I'm just going to get some rest and wake up and I'm going to, I'm going to do the same thing I've been doing the last three days. Well, yeah, everybody says that, but the truth is nobody, no, nobody knows what it feels like to step on that first tee and hit a tee shot in a professional golf tournament, unless you've done it. And every single tournament, there's some guys and I talk to them where they will tell you every single tournament they play in, the very first tee shot of the tournament is the most nervous they will be the whole week because mm-hmm. it's just, you're just amped up. You're excited to get that week going. It's a fresh start. It's another chance to win a tournament. And it's like, some guys are like, man, if that tee shot is anywhere in the fairway, it's game over. And they'll shoot 65 that day because it's just like a settle. It's almost like a, like a trigger, like a settle. It's like, as soon as that's over, their whole mind just boom. And they're calm. Yeah goes back to what you know dude i love i mean that's <laughs> i would love to see that press conference but i mean it's so real because i i hate suppression dude like i hate when yeah. somebody's like you know i feel nervous I don't show I do. oh it's another round of golf that's you know don't yeah. think about it you get these answers and, you know now somebody's thinking about it they're like well i shouldn't be thinking about it and they get more nervous but mm-hmm. you know, i heard this from third party so i don't know if this is 100 factual but um like sean foley when he was working with Justin Rose, Justin Rose was going in the final group in the lead and one of the majors and Foley told him that he's like, look, I'm not going to tell you that BS. Like it's not another, it's just another term. It's like, you're in the lead of a major yep. embrace it. <laughs> you know? And I was like, I got respect for that. Like big time. hundred percent. Yeah. Like enjoy, like enjoy, like, yeah. Enjoy that. Be like, man, hell yeah. I'm nervous. I should be nervous. But yeah, you're nervous because you're there. That's a good I'm nervous. Excited to be, yeah, I care. If you're not nervous, these guys are like, yeah, I just I sit there, I just show no emotion. I try not to show any emotion. They're so boring to watch. Like nobody wants to watch that. And nobody yeah. wants to hear that. Like we want to hear that 
we're nervous. We're excited. Like, I want to see the dude ripping his shirt off. Who was that? <laughs> Hatton? Uh, Is that what that was? Tyrell Hatton, wasn't it? Was it Tyrell? Or are you talking know. about the at the Phoenix Open? Yeah. Then, then, then. Oh, that was <laughs> Harry Higgs and Joel Davis. Higgs, that's who yeah. it was. Higgs, yes. <laughs> yeah, like that's why people love Harry. Harry, Harry will he's just full animation all the time. Yeah. Gotcha. And the same uh, thing with uh uh you know what's his name? Um John Rom, like you know, Pete. I like. I want to see John Rom get fired up. I love that he gets so mad sometimes, because he doesn't. He's he's learned how to harness it. It's not like when he was, you know, four or five years ago, when he would have, you know, a couple bad moments and it would just melt down, and then he would be on full tilt. Like he's, you know, he's learned how to let out that. I mean, the same. People always forget, and I don't. I don't know why nobody ever talks about the fact. Tiger was the most like unbelievably mad guy at times tiger would cuss he would he would like swing his club as hard as he can after a bad shot people forget how many times tiger did that it's just Mm -hmm. because he won all the time and tiger had that innate ability and he called it like i forget what he called it it was like a rule he had where after he hit a shot he could cuss yell scream be as mad as he wanted for like i think stevie williams said stevie would give him like 10 steps so he could walk for 10 steps. He could, you know, God damn it, Tiger, like all that crap mm-hmm. he'd say. And then the minute he hit that 10th step, it was like he was done and he was already like, okay, what do I do next? Like, where's the next shot? Like, um, I love it, dude. Like, he had that intense stare, you know what I mean? But yeah. he had that emotion. He had the fist pumps. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what golf needs desperately. And, you know, you got the announcers in there like Nick Faldo. It's just like they got the oh, low tone, dude. It's like we need like Gus Johnson in there. It's just going crazy because that's that's the exciting stuff, man. Like the Ryder Cups, like those kind of vibes. Like there's a reason why Dustin Johnson, Brooks Koepka, Royal McElroy, Cameron Smith, Scotty Scheffler. I mean, yeah, I love what Scotty Scheffler is doing, but there's a reason why they will never, ever, ever have 13 deep 3,000 4,000 5,000 people watching them on a single golf hole because they're not entertaining Tiger Woods was mm-hmm. entertaining you never knew what he was going to do he'd, he'd snap hook at 45 yards into the trees bang his club on the ground yell at himself and then he'd go hit the most crazy miraculous shot you've ever seen to 15 feet and make it for birdie like mm-hmm. he just blew people's minds like that just doesn't happen anymore like these guys are very good but they're just boring it's not fun to watch he had a tournament i think it might have been the tour championship a few years ago and he missed every fair i mean he was in the trees of every single hole on the front nine and shot like one under yep i, I mean what was, that dude can do with an iron is ridiculous one of the round one of the years he won tory when he won it wasn't the u.s open it was like the buick he hit like i think he hit two fairways on the south course and shot four under i mean mm-hmm. I play the South course a lot, you know, where I used to when I, I live now, I live up kind of in like Orange County, Newport area. But when I lived down in San Diego, I mean, I played Tory, you know, religiously, like as much as I could, I had one of those residence cards. I just, I tried to play all the time. I loved playing it around the tournament or after the tournament. And I've played it during those times when that rough is where it's at. And there's no way in hell 
you could tell me to hit it from where all from where he hit it that entire day that I'm gonna miss two fairways and shoot 68. I don't care. You could give me 50 tries. I don't think I shoot 58 from where he hit it all day, missing that many fairways. So yeah, I mean that's just a different level of of uh, I don't know what it is, belief or just it's just ability to score, ability to just forget about how bad you just hit. Because I've watched him tee off on one there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he hits the worst shrimp hook you've ever seen. Like, how <laughs> can somebody hit a hundred balls on the driving range the way he just did, and then walk over here to the first tee and just hit an eighty-yard shrimp hook? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just—it's unbelievable. So, so, the one thing I've never understood with him is how can you be so good with an iron in your hands and just be that bad of a driver in in his standards? You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> It's pretty. It's pretty wild, but I mean, it also I think what made him so so damn good. Or like I said, Tiger might be one of those secret. Maybe maybe he'll never admit it. Maybe nobody will ever admit it. But Tiger Woods might be one of those guys like me who maybe it's just in majors. Like every time he was at Augusta on the first hole, every time he's in the U.S. Open on the first, like maybe that first tee shot is the most nervous that Tiger Woods ever is. And it's either because he's so excited to get that to win another major or what it is. But I mean, I don't think there's a worse driver of the golf ball for the first tee shot of a tournament. Than Tiger Woods. I know everybody's always so excited and wants to uh, just yell at him ripping it down the fairway. It's end up just. <laughs> well, it's because you go. Everybody, everybody wants to watch his range session. I've watched him on the range by a handful of times. And I mean, and it is like there's only maybe two people I've ever seen on the range where I'm like. Man, I just – that's a different sound. That's a just a different level. And it's him and Rory. Watching him and Rory warm up on the range, I mean, if you're a golf nerd, it is – it's like golf porn. I mean, it is. It's golf porn. I mean, it's just – it's just so impressive. Like, the control, the tempo, like, their, their range swing tempo is – I mean, it's it's just – it's unattainable for, for most of us. But then they walk over the first – well, not Rory. Rory's – Rory's probably one of the best golf drivers of the golf ball on the planet. But then Tiger will walk over that first tee and that tempo changes and it just, it's so much faster and it's so much more violent. And then, yeah, you look up and it's just an 80 yard shrimp hook and you're going, how did like, you got to take a, like a double take, like, wait a minute, how did that guy come over here and be that guy? <laughs> I just watched that guy over there and it's the same guy, but like, what do how could those two golf swings be so different? And I, the only thing I can think of from just my own experience as a competitor is I don't care what anybody says inside his head on that first tee shot. He's either like, let's just get this thing going, get it going forward. I don't care. But maybe that's the most nervous he ever is throughout any round of golf. Yeah. Well, that, that's what I mean. Most golfers deal with that's the age old question, right? The range to the to the first tee is why is that different? I mean, yep. there's definitely a lot less emotion and a lot less stress. <laughs> that's for sure. You know, especially oh, the driving him, range. The driving range, everybody's standing around. Yeah, everybody's standing around the range talking. You're talking to your caddy. You might be talking to the next guy's caddy. You're just, you know, your brain's not a, uh, it's not focused on anything. It's just, your brain's pretty much out of the way. You're just, yeah. So, which is probably why, like, now going back into you, like what's your blueprint to get on that level? Like what's, what's your, what's your plan to get 
to that tee box of the Augusta? Um, yeah, I don't, I think it's just, it's just, it's, it's a hundred percent, um, you know, my own responsibility. It's just how I wake up in the morning. Like I have to be very aware of like my mood and my attitude from the minute I wake up because it just sets the whole tone. Like, and I'm not. The, I'm I'm by no means a morning person. I'm probably one of the grumpiest people in the morning that there is. So it's hard for me because like I have to be like you know, I have to like you know I have to very very uh, like I have to be very aware of when I wake up. Like all right, let's have some coffee, watch a little TV, let's relax, let's just get you know, let's get loose, let's get relaxed. And it's kind of stayed distracted or detached, I guess, from the rest of the day. Then I get to the course, kind of the same thing. Like if I'm tight or like, you know, most of this year, I would say most of the most of the first, you know, the first couple sessions of the week. um, I'm a lot more excited than, you know, come Thursday, Friday, where I'm like, man my body hurts. Everything's tight. Like, I just know I'm going to hit it crappy. And it's just that switch in the mindset of like, you know, I went from like being excited on Monday, like, all right, another week, like, let's go another, another opportunity. And then by Thursday, I'm like, I've been so crappy the last two days that I'm like, I, I just get, you know, I just get in my own way where it's like, I just, I don't even allow myself to, to, uh, to get out of it because I'm just already like, well, I'm going to hit it crappy. So, better be ready to grind or, you know, I'm just going to have to go find it. I got so tired of saying that, like, I just got to go find it. Got to go find mm-hmm. it. Got to go find it. Um, so I think this, yeah, this year is just, I have to do a lot of uh, personal work on just, you know, controlling my own attitude, my own thoughts, like not letting my thoughts go to those, you know, I'm hitting it crappy. No, you're not. You're 40 years old, dude. Give yourself a break. You're swinging it great. You just need to rest. Or you just relax a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. So it's like, it's switching the vocabulary. Like instead of, you know, saying I'm doing this bad, you know, no, I'm just, I'm doing this really good. I need to do this better. Instead mm-hmm. of saying I'm doing this one thing bad. It's a, no, I'm driving it great. I just need to hit my wedges better. Which doesn't really put any negative connotation on what I'm doing. It's just saying, I'm doing one thing really good. I just need to work harder on this instead of saying, nah, I'm doing this bad. So yeah, it's, it's think- really important, man. Like really important, like different yeah. that shift. Cause it's so easy to be critical. Like, have you yeah. ever heard the example of a good wolf and bad wolf or the good wolf oh, yeah. and evil wolf, you know, and just so anybody listening, I'll give a quick rundown. So the good wolf, evil wolf is like, you, you know, it's kind of a trick to like these two wolves are following. You have a good wolf that's tr- there to protect you. You have an evil wolf that's there to kill you. And your thoughts are food for these wolves. Mm-hmm. Every negative thought is essentially feeding the evil wolf that's there to kill yeah. you. And every good thought is there feeding the good wolf that's there to protect you and build you up. So when you yeah. think about that and every time you catch yourself with a negative thought, you know, you're just feeding that evil wolf. Well, when it's not until you're truly aware of that. So I had a, I had a young high school player out um, on the course the other day. Good, good little player. I just met him, just started working with him. And I was like, I just want to see where games at. So we go play and 
he's hitting shots and he's doing fine. First couple holes, I mean, fairway green, had a birdie and a par or something like that. He's cruising. I'm like, all right, looks good. And then he missed a shot. And then like all of a sudden, first thing was, oh, I thinned that a little. And then the next shot was like, oh, a little, you know, a little off the toe. Uh, my rhythm wasn't good. So every swing, even though it was decent, was picking out something bad about it. And then Negative. by the end of it, it was just all over the place. And I just <laughs> I, I so, kind of asked him, I was like, you have um, any idea what you say after each shot? And I pointed out every shot and where we got to that end point. He's like, dude, I had no idea. And then after every shot, he started catching himself. Like, yeah. holy crap, dude, I do say something negative every yeah. single shot, even if it's good. Like, even if you put it to two feet, he's like, oh, one groove thin or something. So we got to watch that stuff. And you got to, like, I appreciate you said that. And just having that wherewithal, that honesty with yourself, just be like, dude, I get the time me, man. I got to be better with that stuff. And a lot of it for me is if I'm big on, you know, I feed off of, of, uh, you know, a strong routine, like strong confidence. So, you know, before COVID, I was, I was just an absolute machine. And I just had such a, I had such a work ethic that matched a routine that was just, it's just been so hard for me to get back to it. And it's, I mean, like I said, it's completely on me. Like I have to be very responsible. So going into this next year, it's, I need to get, you know, I need to make less excuses and I need to get back to work and it's going to be harder. I'm older. So it's going to be one of those situations where, you know, I need to work smarter, not harder, but, if I can get back, like getting back in those routines where it's, you know, whether it's getting up and going for a run or getting up and going to the gym, like I used to, it sets the whole day for me. So I don't have those mornings when I wake up and I'm just got like brain fog and it's like, I just feel crappy. And like, it's hard for me to get out the door. And, you know, by the time it's 10 AM, 11 AM, I'm just already like, man, I'm tired. Like, and I just have no energy and I don't want to put in the work that day. And if you do that, you know, you put it, you get in what you put out and if you're putting out nothing, you ain't going to get nothing back. So, mm-hmm. um, well said those things I have to do, but I, I do. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you where, you know, some of us have to be very, very cognitive of those negative connotations and just changing them. And it could be simple of just, you know, like I said, every shot, like instead of saying, man, I hit that crappy, you know, just say, Oh man, I barely missed that. Or like, you know, that was it just little things like that. Because like you said, if you say it once in the round and the next, the next time you hit it, it could be something even worse. And then it's like, all of a sudden like, man, I'm hitting everything crappy. Mm. And then the next thing, yeah, like you said, next thing you know, it's just all over the place and you have yeah. no idea how it got there. And then you're just sitting there, you know, with your heads, your fingers scratching your head going, what just happened? I flushed mm. it for four holes. And then the last 14 holes, I can't hit the broad side of a barn. Like, yeah. Well, I think that's fair to say. And I mean, I, there's so many people think their swings just change or break down. And I just, I don't believe that, man. Motion just doesn't change a lot, in my opinion. Oh, no. And, and the funny thing is, is if you take, because I mean, I've had those stretches where, you know, I've been like, man, I'm just I'm not swinging it good. And either, you know, my coach or somebody will just take a video and go, like, Pico, look. And it, it looks the exact same. The <laughs> only thing that changes is like, it's, it's the, like I said, it's, it's the, the brain function to the, the response time. Like it, mm-hmm. I always see it with guys, like when they're hitting it bad, they're not aggressive at the ball. They, you know, the, there's the tempo of the swings is really slow at the ball. The hips aren't moving. 
know, the swing looks the same as far as like, if you just looked at it on video, it's going to look the same. The positions are in the same spots. It's the mm -hmm. body's not quite aggressive. There's no thump. There's no, you know, they're not a, because it, either they're, yeah, they're thinking about something too much or they're, you know, their minds wandering places and they're, they're just, they don't have that. They don't have that authority at the ball. Yeah. I mean, it's important to control how you think and what you're thinking for sure. And having that defined, like what works for you, it's not the same for everybody. Um, one last thing, man, then I'll let you go. I appreciate you coming on for sure. Um, do you just have a story about overcoming adversity? Something you're really proud of that's worth <laughs> sharing. Oh man. I mean, I, I don't know where to start. I feel like my whole life's been adversity as far as my, my golf life. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say probably the most adversity I ever, ever dealt with was um, the end of 2018. Uh, I think I like, I, I think I only missed two cuts on the Canadian tour that whole season, but I finished 35th to 45th every single event because I just, I don't know, I, I it's like I, I wanted it. I just tried to, you know, I tried too hard on the weekends. Like I'd play great for two rounds. I'd make the cut. I'd be, I'd be somewhere between fifth place and fifteenth place going into the weekend, and I would literally finish thirty fifth to forty fifth every single event, and I end up finishing like sixty second, which missed. So I, I lost my Canadian card. I was already going back to Q school. So then I get done with that season, and I come back home, and it's like, all right, I get ready, and I go to first stage. And I've been hitting it great, like all summer. Um, and I get to first stage. And I kind of just, you know, dink it around. Uh, I didn't really play great. But, I, I mean, I got through. I don't I don't remember if I was, like, right on the number or not right on the number. And then I go to second stage, and I've had, like, a month off between first stage and second stage. And I'm just, I mean, I'm cruising through through like my warmups, my practice rounds. I feel great. I'm at Bear Creek. It's great. I play, you know, I play phenomenal tee to green for 72 holes. I mean, I, I, I probably hit almost 88% of the greens for four rounds out there that week. I mean, I, I hit it as good as I could hit it and I put it as bad as I put it. So it was, <laughs> I putted the ball more times than I hit it for 72 holes. Uh, I'm on the last hole. Even with all that, I mean, I putted. I don't think I had a single round under 35 putts. And I was even par on the 18th green on the 72nd hole. So, I mean, that's how good I was hitting it. Where it was, I mean, it was, it was, I, I mean, you couldn't try to miss putts the way I was, <laughs> I was missing them. <laughs> and I get to 18 and I, I mean, I'm still fighting, you know, and I, I'm even, and I'm thinking that it's going to be one under, like just because I just had that feeling. Sometimes you have that feeling at, Mm -hmm. like just feeling what the number is going to be so i'm thinking it's going to be one under i had a good tee shot i hit this gap wedge in there lands just past the hole kind of spins a little too much like i thought i made it and then i thought i stopped it and then it kept coming on so it spun a little too much it left me like about 18 feet the problem is is the whole walk from that gap wedge to the green i was so angry that the ball spun so much that i was completely you know i was out of i mean i i was i wasn't even 
like remotely in that right mindset to like, come on, let's go make this putt. Like, let's go make this putt. Mm-hmm. Screw this week. Like, you putted as bad as you possibly could, but guess what? You're gonna go make this putt. And you're still gonna go to finals. Like, you're still going to the Corn Ferry Tour. Like, that's how good you are. Instead of saying those things, which now I know, like, that's what you should always be telling yourself. I'm walking in the green the whole time, being a little bitch, basically. Like, I'm angry. <laughs> So now I have no chance of making this putt. And what does that lead to? So instead of really focusing and trying to hit the best putt I could to try and make it and get through the second stage, I hit a terrible sloppy putt and I three putt, finish one over, and the effing cut stays at even. Mm. That was the lowest moment of my career by far so far because that was completely my fault, like completely under my control. And I. You know, it's hard. Sometimes I I think about that moment, like right now, and it just makes me just want to like I want to smash this table in half. Like I can't believe how stupid <laughs> I was. Like and so and I, I almost I mean it made me I almost quit. Like I literally I was driving home from that round in the car. My caddy slash coach is in the car with me. And we're just dead silent. And I just look at him finally, and I go, I'm done, dude. I can't do this anymore. I'm quitting. And he doesn't say anything. Didn't touch a club for like two weeks. Nobody's talking to me. Like, no, everybody left me alone. Two weeks go by and I show up to the driving range. Um, you know, at the club that I practice out out here where he teaches and he sees me and I walk up over to them and, you know, he's working with somebody and I just start hitting some balls and he gets done. He comes over and he's, you know, he's like, what's going on? And I literally just looked at him and I went, I literally, I think I told him like that day, I said, I'm going to effing win everything there. I was like, I don't care. I'm winning. I'm going to play every single stupid one day, two day, three day, four day tournament. I can, I'm going to win everything. And I'm going to work. I'm going to, I'm going to work on my putting two hours a day, every single day, this entire year. And so 2019 begins. And that was like the stretch of, you know, from 2019 to, early 2021 i mean i don't i just i played incredible golf i mean i i i don't even know how many times i won maybe like 25 times um i mean i just it was just such a like to go from where i was in november to then january it's like i think i won i won one two i think i won four in a row and then I went on a crazy stretch of like I just finished second, 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 third, third, third. And then I won like three in a row again. And then they didn't have or uh or it was 2019, maybe too. Cause it was the year before COVID. So then COVID happened and I couldn't go to Q school. So I just kept playing that whole year and just I mean it was the mindset change. And all that happened in those two weeks was like I had the pity party. I felt sorry for myself and I had the pity party. Um and it was like I went through like the stages of grief, basically. And then I, I just, you know, I said, all right, if you're going to quit, quit. Stop being a little baby. Stop talking about it and just do it. Quit if you're going to quit. But if you're not going to quit, you, you know, you got work to do. You got a lot of things to work on and you have to uh, be accountable for these things. Um, because I never want to be in that situation again, ever. And... I mean, I did. And then I got to second stage this year 
And I won the sucker because I just knew I would never let that happen again. And mm. now I got to do it all over. I got to do it all over again, but it's fine because I've done. So my adversity is every single year I have to do this. Like every single year, whether I play great all year or struggle all year, I'm going to Q school. And then you, when you get to Q school, that is as much adversity as you're ever going to face. And you have to, you have to like brainwash yourself that Q school is, is it's just another tournament. There's nothing else to it. Mm-hmm. It's just any other tournament. There's a hundred guys there that want to beat you. And there's a hundred guys there that you want to beat. And they're, you can't like feel, you know, you can't feel like you can just survive. Like if you try to just survive, you're going to end up where I was in that year. It's like, and I did that every year, you know, for five years leading up to that, where it's, you know, I, I don't need to win. I just need to survive. That's just, you're going to fail if that's your mindset. Awesome story, man. Um, the answer is there though, dude, like you just literally said it. Like when you put yourself in that that's mindset, it. you, you are a hard dude to beat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, so you can, like you said, you can play that pity party and be like, Oh, you know, I'm on the road for 10 weeks mm-hmm. or whatever. Or you can get back to that Pico. That's like, you know what? I'm going to go win everything. I'm going to win everything. Exactly. Because like you said, yeah, that guy's very hard to beat. Very hard to beat. Is, the problem is that, the other guy, the only guy that beats the other guy is me. So it's Evil like, Wolf, it's like man. Either I beat myself or I'm very hard to beat. So, But the, the point of that is that I'm the one that's 100% in control of that. Nobody else is going to beat me. If, I lose, if I'm playing bad, it's because I'm beating myself. It's not because anybody's beating me. I mean, sometimes it happens. Like, right, there's definitely times where, you know, I mean, I think two, what, a week ago or so, Right when I got back from Omaha, I kind of I kind of found something in Utah. I started, you know, I had like three weeks off, you know, during my wedding. And those three weeks were kind of really crucial for me because I had kind of a lingering injury that I didn't even like. I didn't even know what was going on or how it happened. But at some point throughout the year, I kind of had a slight tear in like one of my rib muscles on my right side, which would make sense why I was you know, I was for a long stretch in the middle of the year, I was struggling to, I was just struggling to like find the impact, find the thump. I was just kind of babying, kind of wiping everything. But those three weeks let me like kind of rest a little bit. And Obviously I took my mind away from golf. My wedding was phenomenal. It was so much fun. I mean, I was just completely like in the moment I had zero distractions um, about golf or anything. And then it's like, all right, let's get back to work. And then Utah and Omaha, I hit it. I started hitting it far again. I started thumping it again. But I just ran out of time. Like, the season was over. I needed incredible. I mean, I needed to basically, like, win one of those events to keep my car. Mm-hmm. But I drove back, and I was, you know, driving back, and I was already in that mindset. Like, all right, I'm going to just – I'm going to win. I need to go win something. Like, I need to get back to this winning, winning guy. I need to feel it. And so there was a – two-day golden stater that monday tuesday so i miss a cut in omaha i drive from omaha back to california saturday to sunday which was like 22 hours 
And then I go play Temecula Creek, this two-day golden saver, and I shoot 63-64 don't make a bogey. I mean, I shot 17 under for two rounds, didn't make a bogey, and I lost. <laughs> so it's like, I didn't lose. I got beat. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, those are things you can live with right there. Yeah, exactly. But I'm going to hold you accountable, man. If I hear you in this bullshit mode again, I'm going to just start charging you. <laughs> Probably, probably won't even pay it up, but I'm gonna start sending you bills, man. Every time I see you get down, because dude, when you're in that mode, man, you're so tough. It's like when I caddy for you in, in Knoxville. It's like you were cruising. Yep. That negative stuff cruising, but all crumbled. It was so it's easy. Just, so it's easy. like a water. It's like a. It's like a waterfall. Well, it was like I was my emo at that time. Still though, like my emotions were like a house of cards. Like it was just waiting for one to fall, and then it was like bam, 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 bam and they all just fell. But like I said, I mean, it was a good year. It was a horrible year on the court. I mean, it was a horrible year if you look at scores and just, you know, I missed the crap load of cuts. But it was a very good year as far as understanding myself even better and knowing, like, all right, you know, when you when you get far enough past it and you can look back, just like that year at Q School where it's like, you know, during those two weeks I got – enough to task where I can look back and be like, dude, you were a psycho out there. Like, yeah, you were putting bad, but you were still like, I was one under, I was two under at some point. Like, but I look back and I think about like all the little, you know, the little outbursts or blow ups or like, you know, F this, I can't believe this. And it's like, man, you're being like, you're a psycho. Like you were fine. You should have even never even sniffed. Even putting as bad as you could, you should have never even sniffed missing that Q school. But like yeah. your head just you you know you you completely just you quit on yourself you bailed on yourself and that's when I just got so mad like man like I put in way too much work you know physically and on everything else for me to just quit on myself like that so mm. that it's gonna be it should be fun this year because the older I get and every year that gets by me I you know I get a little better and a little better at that aspect. But I don't, I mean, I think I'll always be learning. I mean, we're always learning. Yeah. It's the, it's the willingness to learn and keep growing that, you know, is, is amazing. But um, I appreciate you being so open and honest about everything, man. This, this was a really fun talk. Yeah. Always. Dude. Yeah. Well, it's good seeing you again, man. If you need anything, you know, you know, holler. I'll be right there. Absolutely, my man. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the end of this episode. I hope you got some incredibly good stuff out of this. It would be awesome if you really find value in this podcast and you drop us a five-star review. Uh, leave a comment. It really helps continue to grow. It helps us get great guests on the show, which essentially is going to bring you some of the best information. That is the journey of Behind the Swing is to get the absolute best out of these people, players, coaches, fitness people, you know, whoever we can find that's going to give you great information to help you grow in your golf game. So again, thank you for following us. We'll see you in that next episode.